Welcome to the Short Term Show, the show about short term rentals and long term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. Good morning, short-term shoppers. Today, we have a rock star over in Carolina Beach, North Carolina, Mr. Joe Prilliman, who is absolutely crushing it in the short-term rental game. Joe has done one of the coolest short-term rental deals that I have heard of to date. So make sure you listen to the whole episode and don't miss out. Let's get started. Today, I have a guest I'm very excited about, Mr. Joe Prilliman in Carolina Beach. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Avery. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into real estate investing, what your portfolio mm-hmm. looks like right now? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got started um, investing in June of 2018. I bought my very first Burr property, um, which is just buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. Um, I bought that in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And it was just a very classic, smooth deal. Um, I'd been doing about two years of research. Um, I sold industrial equipment in a previous life. And I had so much windshield time that I really got in uh, plugged into a platform called Bigger Pockets, where I learned a lot of just about real estate investing. I absorbed the podcast that got by my hands on as many books as I possibly could and just really pumped myself full of knowledge and then hit the ground running. And now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So your very first property was a burr. What made you decide to start there? Because I know when I was new, I started with just a buy and hold because I was like, this is the least amount to deal with. We're going to start here. This is easy. What made you decide to go burr right out of the gate? So it was a lack of capital. Um, at the time, I really didn't have, um, I was trying to get into real estate investing with low and no money down. And so I had to find a way to recycle cash, either hard money or private money cash, um, so that I could create the real estate machine I wanted to do. And at the time, my wife was not interested in house hacking. That was not what she wanted to do. We had bought like our primary residence. Um, and that was the home like, hey, we're going to die in this home. That's what we thought. And uh, it was just a total mind shift. And so taking that jump, um, we weren't willing to move into another property. And so the only way that I could find how to recycle other people's cash was to add value. And to add value, I was like, well, I got to buy foreclosed properties. I got to fix them up and refinance out. And I had a lot of help, a lot of great a lot of great help um, through the Bigger Pockets platform. I met a couple different people that held my hand through the deal and uh, really opened my eyes to how this all works and how you can get creative with financing and how you can just do the things that you want to do that everyone tells you you can't do it. And uh, it just worked out beautifully. And so from there, we we bought our first one. Um, we ended up doing five more for properties in Fayetteville. And then uh, we slowly transitioned into short-term rentals. That's awesome. So one thing that caught my attention in the what you just said is that you had somebody to hold your hand through the first one. And I think that is so important for new investors because a lot of times, I mean, I know I did this, we get caught up in listening to all the podcasts and reading all the books that are by people who know what they're doing, but they have done hundreds and hundreds of deals. So we as new investors can't always just run out and employ those exact same strategies because we don't know what we're doing. But Mm -hmm. it's really important to have somebody, whether it's an agent in an out-of-state market or somebody in your market who's already done what you're doing, it's really important to have someone who has been successful at the thing you're trying to do, helping you through that first deal. Exactly. And that's, it's just such a great point because it truly is the team that you build around yourself. 
and it's like success repeats itself. And so it was a uh, plugging into people who are already doing it. And the people who held my hand, I'm like, they're, they're rock stars. Like they've been on the bigger pockets podcast, like they're doing bigger and greater deals. And it's just, I went out of my way to try and plug into their communities and to their lives and to add value. And then from there, um, I mean, we've really built, built some really great relationships and I see them all over the place, which is fun. And we, uh, get to continue doing the real estate. And it really is awesome how a lot of more experienced investors will help out investors who are newer. I know we just got into the multifamily game. So we have a 12 unit now in Omaha and we just happen to fall in with the right people there who just happen to take a liking to us and are sending us deals and, and good ones. And uh, so it's just really awesome when you find the right people that they, they want to help basically is people who are successful help other people. Mm -hmm. It's that abundance mindset is in real estate. There is just such an abundance of deals that you can go out there and like, even in a small market like mine, like I'm now in Carolina beach, it's very, very small. And we still have that abundance of deals, that mindset of, Hey, anyone can do this. And we want to help other people do it and watch others be successful because then they get to live their dreams and do what they want to do in life. And it's just, that brings so much more fulfillment than beating someone up on a, a deal. Like there's this, this weird kind of, uh, I don't know, culture around what some people feel like in real estate. And I found that not to be true. Um, I found that the people that I've worked with in real estate have been very open and honest and very big on helping other people be successful. Um, and also like I, I actually started a, a real estate investor meetup here in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, for that very reason. I've been hosting it for the last two years of just like, Hey, like here are the investors. Here's how you can get started and get moving. Like, come meet us, talk with us and push you into your first deals, which will snowball into multiple deals. And it's the stack method they talk about all the time where your properties buy properties. Like it, it's just a beautiful little cycle. Um, if you can get into it and get going. That is so true. There are enough deals for all of us. Sometimes I'll get clients who, because I'm an agent, they say, well, I don't necessarily want an agent who's an investor because you're going to get all the deals before I get them. And I'm like, well, a luckily for you, I'm not made of money, so I, no one can have all the deals. But B, there are plenty of deals for everyone, and I am here to help you into your financial independence journey. I did it. I'm here to show you how to do it. I'm not here to take all the deals. Nobody can have all the deals. No, and I'm excited to watch you do it. I'm excited to watch you take it and run with it and crush it because then we can all be in this together. And yeah, it's great. Exactly. And real estate investors love to talk about real estate. So we always need more friends to talk about that too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. It's the only thing I talk about now. It's crazy. All my other hobbies are just out the window. I used to talk about mopeds all the time and now here we are. <laughs> yeah. And I, I found that like, I, I find myself talking about the price of real estate way too much to where it's uncomfortable for people who aren't in real estate. Like my, I'll, I'll say all the time how much the house I live in costs because the house down the street just basically doubled my value. And my super Southern mother is like, you don't need to talk about that. Don't say how much your house. And I don't even realize that I'm doing it. Cause that's just how we talk in real estate mm -hmm. now. <laughs> yep. And you just get other people get uncomfortable with it when you're talking about it. it's like, Oh, like this house down the street just sold for 200 K more than mine. So I've got so much more equity built into mine. And it's uh, yeah, it's kind of funny to watch some people get uncomfortable with that, but then you got to get them into the abundance mindset and get them into the books and the podcasts and, like give away all this free content, like to help other people crush it. Absolutely. So switching gear. So what made you get into short terms? 
So the short-term shift was really the market. Um, back in 2019, everybody thought that the market was at the top, that everything was going to crash and burn and all that jazz. And um, the investors really started pouring into the Southeast. And so um, cheaper properties, um, Fayetteville, North Carolina kind of got highlighted. Um, and so pretty much overnight, there was a shift of, okay, we've got all these deals on the MLS to, okay, everything is getting outbid. Everything is going above market value. Um, and for me, I wasn't able to make my super conservative numbers work because I operate from a, um, I want to buy for cash flow, have secure long-term low interest debt and have adequate cash reserves. And at the time I was still borrowing all private money. I was purchasing properties. I was rehabbing and renting, refinancing. And when all the prices went up $10,000 overnight, I looked at it and I was like, wait, I can't wrap 10 grand around this every single time and hope that these appraisals are going to match these as they go. And so um, I'm sure if I had just waited and let them season that it would have worked. And then I've been able to continue cash out refinancing without wrapping money around them. But um, I got worried about it at that time. And so I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I've got to figure out something else. Because my plan was just to do 30, 40 single family homes and just do the same process over and over again and be done and then quit my job and go sit on the beach. Um, and so when that happened and I wasn't able to pull all my cash back out anymore, I started looking for other stuff. And I met another individual on bigger pockets who was, he was living for free at the beach. He was house hacking and he was like, Hey, like I'm doing this Airbnb thing. Um, you should come check it out and see if it works for you. And we ended up getting dinner one night and he let me stay in one of his units and it just opened my eyes to like the, okay, there's so much more money to be made in the short term. Um, maybe we'll shift this way. And, it was a good way to get my uh, wife on board for house hacking as well. So, Are you looking to purchase your first short-term or vacation rental or add to your existing portfolio? If so, the Short-Term Shop, the country's premier short-term rental acquisition firm, is here to help. Not only will our team of expert real estate agents help you locate and acquire your next short-term rental, we have an entire back-end training program where we will train you on every aspect of managing your short-term rental from anywhere. From setting up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to the automation tools you'll need to streamline your business and connecting you to local cleaners and tradespeople needed to manage your property. We have offices in the top producing vacation rental markets in the nation, including Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Wears Valley, and the Great Smoky Mountain areas of Tennessee in Florida. Destin, 30A, Panama City Beach, Mexico Beach, Cape Sandblast, Port St. Joe, and St. George Island, Gulf Shores, Orange Beach, and Dauphin Island, Alabama, and the Blue Ridge in North Georgia Mountains. To set up your search or schedule a consultation, head on over to theshorttermshop.com. Awesome. Yeah. Everybody wants to live at the beach. So if you can house hack at the beach, that changes things. Oh, it's so not fair. (laughs) It was much easier to convince my wife to leave our forever home whenever I was like, Hey, like we could live, you know, six blocks back from the beach and we could walk to the beach, you know, have a bigger kitchen and we'll get to live for free. It worked. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that is hard (laughs) to argue with for sure. That's right. (laughs) So when you are looking for a new short-term rental specifically, what constitutes a good deal in Carolina Beach? Well, right now, if you can just get your hands on it, it constitutes a good deal Um, just because the market has gone crazy. 
But um, at the time, we were still running everything through those conservative numbers. It was buying for cash flow, secure long-term low interest debt, have adequate cash reserves. And so it was trying to find a niche that was still in a price point that I could afford because, again, not made of money. Um, and we found the niche really in the sh- smaller rentals, um, the one bedrooms and the two bedroom rentals because it had a lower cost of entry. But it was also something that these larger um, real estate, like short-term tycoon companies, weren't willing to put their hands on. Um, the first deal we bought was actually two cottages um, that were managed by one of these larger companies. But total, um, they were having trouble keeping them rented. The back unit was doing very, very little income. The front, they ended up putting a long-term tenant in place. It was two separate cottages that were on one lot. And um, I believe they did like $16,000 for the whole year. And so we stepped in, we purchased the property, we did a light rehab on the back, and we restaged them all. And we ended up doing $15,000 in July of that first year. And so it was, uh, we used a couple different things for um, judging how much we thought that these properties could generate. Um, one of those things was AirDNA. We were just scraping short-term vacation rental data and plugging that into their algorithm to see what it split out of like, hey, this is what you could produce. And then also we reached out to a lot of people who are actively doing it on the island to talk to them just straight up of, okay, how are these performing? How much time does it take? What type of systems do you use um, to keep these things going? So you're telling me that you made a lot more money self-managing than a local property manager could do. Shock face. But yes, yes, that's exactly what happened. Um, the the local property managers on the island, they hadn't shifted to um, like the online platforms. They weren't using Airbnb, VRBO, stuff like that. Um, and so we saw kind of a niche in the, hey, like you could self-manage these. They have a platform that's easy to use. We know other people who are using it that have a lot of success. And the, uh, the numbers that you're hearing from these other firms just weren't lining up with what I'm watching other people generate. I find that happens in almost every single true vacation rental market because we're in, we have offices in four markets now, almost five. And in every single one, the local property management companies won't use the technology that's putting them out of business, which is Airbnb and Verbo. And um, the rental history on these things is just garbage compared to what you can do doing it yourself, which is why a lot of self-managers who live out of state are starting these property management companies over where they're investing, which is oftentimes states and states away and being more successful than the local property managers. Right. Exactly. And it's like, I'm not building a database. I'm not doing any of those things. I'm simply, we took the line of, we're not going to do any of this cross platform utilization, any of that. What we did is we picked one platform. We said, we were going to be the absolute best at that platform. And we're going to try to force ourselves to have the highest reviews in the area and provide a premium product because we want to be at the top of the market. We want to fight for the people who are paying the most, the best tenants possible. Um, That's the line that we took with my units. And those, it was easier to do because we were kind of in a niche area. There weren't a lot of people on Carolina Beach at the time that were doing smaller units. And the people who were doing smaller units were doing it with great success. And it, it was just kind of a under the radar type of um, investment class that we were able to jump into. That's awesome. And I think this is a really good segue into what you and I are in a mastermind together. And you told a story on that mastermind one time that I think is still one of the coolest deals I've ever heard for short-term rentals. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So we um, recently, back in September, we purchased a uh, quadplex um, off-market. It was a property that needed a lot of work. And it it really is turning into a screaming deal. It's been a uh, massive headache. There's been lots of issues that have come up, but 
um, through and through, it's going to be probably one of my most rock star deals. Um, but we were sitting on the back porch of uh, one of our vacation rentals. It was a little green cottage and we're here in Carolina beach and I'm fixing up a couple little tiny minute things before we have a guest come through. I was doing a double check from what our cleaners had done. And, um, I look up and I see this really large, pretty dilapidated building, um, a quadplex. And, um, I just thought to myself, like, Hey, you know, I want that deal. Like, this is the one I want. It's in a great location. I know what it's going to be able to do. It's going to need complete rehab. It had long-term tenants in place that were paying substantially under market value. And I was like, Hey, this is, I could see the the vision for what this one could do and what it could produce. And so from there, I went home, I took the address. I um, ended up doing a lot of research on trying to find the owner. Turns out the owner had owned the property um, since the early 90s. Um, he had been a real estate guy on Carolina Beach back in the 80s, whenever he like he was there whenever they were originally building a lot of these older multi-units. Um, I was able to find his contact information. I got his phone number. I called him up. And uh, we were able to negotiate a deal where he actually held the note on this property. So he owner financed the entire thing to us. And then I was able to go out and bring in a private money partner and we're going to split the deal. And so it's four individual, two bedroom, one and a half bath units um, that are all on one pretty large lot here in Carolina Beach. We're two blocks back from the beach. And uh, yeah, it's going to do real well. We're almost done uh, staging it right now. That's awesome. So I'm pretty sure you would not be able to make that happen in the current market conditions with the owner financing and the off market and the whole thing. That's a lot of really cool stuff that is like once in a lifetime real estate investing type deals. Well, it is, but it's a product of daily consistent action. Like this isn't the first one that I had reached out to try and call. This isn't the first deal that was on the island. Like I had a spreadsheet of all these different multi-units that I wanted to pursue and people to talk to. And um, the interesting part about it was every real estate deal is different, but this guy in particular, like his main thing was, okay, he wanted to own or finance it because he didn't want to bring in the high amount of income that would take from selling it. And so I was able to pay him at the time what was market rate for the property because it needed some substantial work. Um, and I was able to pay him that higher dollar value that he wanted because he was willing to hold the note on a 30-year note with a 10-year balloon at a pretty good percentage rate. Um, and so from that, we were able then to go, okay, we know what this is going to do. We have a good idea of what the rehab is going to cost, which by the way, it's always going to be more than you think it's going to be. Um, <laughs> so true. Yeah, it's always going to be more because there's always going to be problems that you run into. But the deal was so good and the financing we were able to set up was so good that it doesn't matter that we're going to have to put more money into this deal. It's still going to produce great returns. It's going to continue to appreciate. You're going to make money on the real estate in three different ways through appreciation, through tax benefits and through debt pay down. Like it's just all around a screaming deal. That, yeah, that's an amazing deal. So how are you finding uh, these, these multis that you have a spreadsheet of? Are you driving for dollars doing uh, direct mail. How's how's that working? A lot of driving for dollars. I've never actually done direct mail. Um, I've done a lot of door knocking, um, a lot of talking to individual owners, um, but a lot of driving for dollars. My market is so small that you can drive the entire island in a day and a half. I mean, it's not that difficult to go around and find the dilapidated properties. And it's so easy now online to be able to skip trace someone's number, to be able to get like a prop stream or something like that, that you're paying a subscription for. Um, and being able to shoot people letters or give them calls and whatnot. But I've always uh, just stuck with a tried and true knocking on doors and talking to owners and talking to the neighbors. And that's how we were able to make this one come together. 
Grassroots. I like it. Yeah. So when you find these deals, how are you generally financing them? I know the the one we just talked about was owner finance, but typically, how do you finance them? Typically, I, I did a lot more traditional financing. Um, I'm doing a house hack right now, which is the home that I'm currently in. It's a two-bedroom, one-bath on the top, or two-bedroom, two-bath on the top with a one-bedroom, one-bath studio apartment underneath us, and we Airbnb that studio apartment. Um, we did just a traditional 5% down conventional loan. And we're able to move in with low money and then put money into the rehab and staging to get it up and get running. But after that, it pays the mortgage, taxes, insurance, all utilities. We live for free at the beach. Amazing. I think that's everyone's goal. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's definitely everyone's goal now. Uh, the market is definitely heated up and it's it's okay to put yourself in positions to get lucky. And I totally admit that. It's like when we got into Carolina Beach, it wasn't the super hot market that it is now. Like everybody wants to live in my market right now. And so before that time, I was able to purchase four different properties here on the beach. Two of them are in partnerships. One of them's in a, um, two of them are in owner finance situations. And then one of them is that I purchased outright with a primary residence loan. Awesome. Are you focusing specifically on multis? Is there a reason for that? Or are you doing a mix of asset classes or how are you, how are you structuring that? Focusing on multis because looking for a higher return for a entry cost. So at the time you were able to buy um, a small multifamily here something or something that you could operate as a small multi for under 500 grand. And if you're looking for anything else on the island, it was going to be much larger properties, beachfront, things that have a lot higher cost of entry, they do generate percentage-wise similar amounts of income for those larger cost of entry homes, but I wasn't able to get approved for them. And so I was looking at lower cost homes that are a couple rows back off the beach, especially because still that was a niche that no one was looking at. Like everyone thought on the island, you had to rent the first, second or third row or else it wasn't going to do anything. And specifically the first row. And so we focused on stuff that was a little bit farther back because we were able to implement Airbnb, we were able to get really good five-star reviews and watch a couple other people who had already jumped into the market to do it and emulate what they were doing. So you're telling me that you do not have to have a $2 million budget to make money in a beach market? Nope. Don't have to. There are so many ways to do it. You can. You just have to get creative. You've got to figure out how to get into it. You have to set a goal of like, this is what I want. And these are the actionable steps to get there. So you work towards the goal and then you break it down backwards of, okay, I'm going to do these steps every single day to get where I want to be. That is really great advice. So <laughs> what, when you see other investors, so you've got this meetup that you started and you're kind of helping people and that's really, really cool. I love that. I love to see investors helping other people get started and, and start building their portfolio. What are some mistakes that you see kind of newer investors making uh, or getting tripped up on? I'd say the number one mistake that I see is thinking that it's all going to happen overnight. Um, a lot of people get really, because typically I see probably 20 to 30% of the people who come to the investor meetup, um, they're brand new. They just found bigger pockets. They've just realized, oh my gosh, I can do real estate investing. And they don't realize that it is a relationship game that takes time. They want everything now. They want that instant gratification. And it just doesn't work that way. And so it's pretty easy to get really ramped up about, oh, I'm going to do this. And then that taper off because you're not willing to put in the time, the daily consistent action to get there. Um, practical mistakes that I've seen is if you just go out and buy anything without running the numbers. Like you always want to make sure that you have multiple exit strategies. 
So like for the, the quadplex, for example, um, one of the reasons it is such a good deal for us is because every one of those units are set up individually. They're side by side, built almost like townhomes. Well, we have the ability to take that property and subdivide it into four different units and sell them off if we wanted to. And so that's a huge value add to us because when you subdivide a property, you raise the value of it typically. And so for us, that's another reason why we're willing to put more money into this deal is because we have all these different exit strategies. At any point in time, we can continue to Airbnb them. We can subdivide them, sell a few of them off. We can do a lot more with that one property than your average just single family home. That's huge. So is that something that is doable on, you know, generally not going to be doable on every single one, but generally on properties that are four or five, six plexes that are set up like townhomes, is that a normal thing to be able to do to subdivide them and actually sell them as townhomes? It depends on every individual market and every individual situation. So like you're going to have a lot of different lot restrictions. You're going to have a lot of different local rules and regulations. And so I've met a number of people that that's a strategy that they've implemented. Um, they were in a much higher market. Um, they were buying properties that were built similarly like that in like Denver, for example. And then they come in and subdivide the lot, divide them out and sell them off individually. Um, I've got a really good friend who is doing that actively with uh, two duplexes that was on one large lot. And so it's just having that knowledge to think, okay, like this is what everyone else sees, but this is what I see. And I can see the hidden value in these properties. And so it's um, another great example of something like that is single family homes, single family homes that can operate like multi-units. So my home that I'm in right now, it's not technically a multi-unit. It's got a separate entrance for a mother-in-law suite, but it's an accessory dwelling unit, like an additional accessory dwelling unit. I'm not sure the exact term that they call them, but it's almost like it's its own private place. It's got a full kitchen, it's got a bathroom, it's got a living place, but that is not counted on the heated and square, heated and cooled squared footage for my property in particular. But I can operate this property like a multi-unit because it has that. And so just being creative, willing to look outside the box and not staying within the lines of, okay, if it's not this, I can't do it. It's how do I do it? That is amazing advice. So if someone does come across a cool property like this, maybe not exactly the way that you did it, but how does a new investor find out, oh, can I subdivide this? Or, you know, any questions that they have around a multi like that, where would they go to find those answers? In my opinion, the best place to start is your local investor meetups. Talk to other people that are actively doing it. But you can also call the city direct and just talk to them. Talk to the people on the planning and zoning board. Talk to the... Uh, individuals that are on the land use plan, whatnot, and just find out, okay, like what can I do in this market? Because it's so few people will ever actually pick up the phone and find out what they can and can't do. And it's not that difficult. Like they have all their information online. You just go on and give them a call and be like, hey, this is the property I'm looking at. What can I do with it? And majority of the time, people are more than willing to help you. Yeah. Or at least just answer a question that you ask them for sure. Exactly. And like you said earlier, real estate is definitely a relationship business. I mean, I know I get new, not clients, but new, new, I guess new clients come to me all the time and they say, you know, I do a ton of off-market stuff in the Smokies and they say, well, I want, I want to be on your off-market list. And I'm like, okay, I, we've never had a conversation. I don't know anything about you. I have a lot of people that I do have a really good relationship with that I want to take care of. So, you know, we're going to have to build a relationship first. I'm not just going to like hand you the keys to the kingdom 
when I don't even know who you are. You, you have to build a relationship with me first before, you know, you get the stuff that, that I have that you want. Um, so it really is, you know, being, building relationships and, and being nice to people. I find that, uh, a lot of times in real estate, they're investing or on the sales side, people get so competitive with each other that they really could, everyone would be more successful if they would just information share and come from a place of abundance rather than scarcity and just kind of get along with each other. Everybody would be way more successful. Absolutely. And it's finding those people in your market that are willing to help you do that. Um, I like this really cool part about, and this is just kind of a side note, but like if you're trying to like figure out pricing or figure out what you want to do on your individual Airbnbs, well, guess what? The top performers want you to book their places. And so just book their places and stay in them and see how they're doing. Talk to the owners. Like they're more than willing to share what they're doing because they're inviting you into their home anyway. And you can add value to them by physically paying to stay in their units. Like there's a bunch of stuff that you can do to just be successful in short term. And so, um, yeah, I absolutely love it. It's been a, a really fun shift for us and I'm uh, looking forward to continuing down this line. Awesome. I love it. So final three questions of the podcast and thank you for coming on. So what advice would you give 20 year old Joe? 20 year old Joe. Oh man. So many things I could wish I could go back and tell you, Joe. Um, but one of the main things would be daily consistent action. Just every single time that you're doing anything, just pick a plan, take off one little bite-sized chunk constantly and knock it out every single day of this is where I want to get, build a plan and knock out just a little piece at a time. Also, like, don't be scared to jump into the game. Like if I had jumped into this game earlier when I was in my 20s, when I was in college and I was able to figure out a way to house hack different stuff and put in my roommates, like I'd be a lot farther along than I am now because time fixes real estate. So I'd say the uh, advice would be, jump into it and uh, daily consistent action. Time fixes real estate. Soundbite. <laughs> Just cut it right there. <laughs> so, so good. <laughs> kind of piggybacking off of that question. What advice would you give a brand new investor who's looking to get started in not necessarily short term, but maybe, but real estate investing in general today? What mm -hmm. would you tell them? I'd say network and learn a lot of, there's so much free content out there. So really get your ducks in a row on the information. There's so many great books. There's so many great podcasts. Go and learn some of that information and then start meeting people. Again, it's all about relationships. And so reach out to these other people and find ways to add value. When I was first getting started, before I owned a single property in Carolina Beach, even in Wilmington or Fayetteville, um, I mean, I was reaching out to like Facebook marketplace for rent owners, like people who own these ones that are just posting them on Facebook marketplace and just offering to take them out for lunch and buying them PT's grill. It's a great burger joint here in town. I was like, Hey, if you'll give me an hour of your time, you get a free lunch and it's a good lunch. So I used to do that all the time. Like find ways to actually add value to these other people and don't just walk in and go, Hey, will you mentor me? Tell me everything, you know, and give me the keys to the kingdom. No, like go and build the relationships come from a foundation of strength and knowledge and then, uh, yeah, take over the world. Exactly. Another great soundbite. Uh, take over the world. So very last question. Uh, what is your favorite book that has impacted your mindset? Okay, so most impacted my mindset. I'm going to have to go with Set for Life by Scott Trench. It was kind of a, uh, I just finished reading uh, rich dad, poor dad. So I'm going to throw that one in there, but it was more of a practical step-by-step -step on, Hey, here's how I implement this. 
and get assets. So set for life by Scott Trench has definitely been the most impactful for me personally. That's a great one. Well, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I hope to have you back again. I want to hear everything that you do in the next year. You're doing some really creative stuff with, uh, with short-term rentals and I can't wait to see what you do with it. Thanks for having me, Avery. I really appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Talk to you soon.